really fun to do a beginning of a new sermon series. And this Lenten series is going to be uh, called Conducting a, a Spiritual Inventory. It's, we're going to look at the health of our soul. We're going to really look at this, you guys, and, and we're going to ask the question during Lent as we anticipate the resurrection of Christ. We're going to say, so how am I doing? How am I doing in this spiritual journey? Nobody really likes to look that carefully at how we're doing. If you look at uh, you know, the things that are happening to you physically, you're like, I don't know, maybe it'll go away. Or maybe I'll die. Like, those are my options. You know, I don't really want to look at it totally all that closely. And so spiritually, we're, sometimes it's time to stop. Lent is the right time to do that, to say, okay, so how am I doing? Kind of a theme verse for us that you may have seen on the chalkboard uh, out there is uh, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. It's kind of famous. Some of you may know it. If you want to memorize it with me over this uh, six weeks, that'd be great. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. See that? That's like, like let, me, let me look inside into my heart and my soul and test me and know my anxious thoughts. See what's going on in me, God. See if there's any offensive way in me. Some of your verses, uh, your Bibles, uh, the last um, translations may have said any hurtful way in me. You know, literally in the Hebrew, it, it says any painful way. See if there's any way that's painful in my life. It's, that's a health thing, right, doctor? It's like, a, it, it's like a, if there's pain, there's some unhealth in there. See if there's any pain. Am I causing you pain, God? Am I causing myself pain? Am I causing those around me any pain? See if there's any sick way in me, any unhealthy way in me, and lead me in your way, God. Lead me in the everlasting way. Okay, just for fun, let's read this verse together without all the extra words that I just gave it. Let's read it together from the screen, starting in verse 23, right? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So we're going to talk about being unhealthy. We're going to talk about being healthy. We're going to look at this, the health of our soul. And what we're going to do, the pattern for the next six weeks, uh, seven, if you include Easter, we'll keep it during Easter, is we're going to ask a question that might get us in touch with how healthy, how am I doing? What's happening in my soul? And uh, if the answer to that resonates with a sense of, hmm, kind of resonating with a little bit of unhealth there, then we're going to offer you a spiritual practice that we can do. So during Lent, we'll have six spiritual practices that we'll kind of do together. And of course, in the spirit of volunteerism, the way we are around here, we're not going to make anybody do it. And we're not going to shame anybody into doing it. But maybe we can all benefit from growing more healthfully by this practice after this, um, uh, asking this question. And so this question this week is, do I thirst for God? Do I thirst for God? It's an apt metaphor because the thing about thirsting is when you're thirsty, you know it, and you're thirsty, and you need to take action. And when you're not thirsty, there's no, like, you're not going to take action. It's just not going to happen. There's just, like, you know it, and you know when you are, and you know when you're not. And thirst is all over the scriptures. Uh, look at this verse in Psalm 42. Maybe some of you already came to this in your heads because you've read your Bible many times. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. For the living God, where can I go and meet with God? This is one of many, 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 many verses in the scriptures that talk about thirst. Thirst is a metaphor for relationship with God. Scriptures are sort of teaching the healthy soul is thirsty for God. And so we want to ask, wow, how thirsty am I as a sign of my health?
I was going to do that with a beer, but I thought the kids might be in the room. <laughs> I did that for no reason other than to give you that image. <clears throat> but I'm a middle-aged man. I may have to go use the restroom in a moment. <laughs> How thirsty am I? Do I thirst for God? This scripture text is just so illustrative of that idea. So we all need this water. We all need water, that image of, of thirsting. But if there's a malady that prevents us from thirsting, it's desperately unhealthy. Think about that for a minute. If there's something that's in the way of us recognizing how thirsty we are, then we are in danger more quickly than we can even imagine. That's why it's such a powerful analogy. And so I think for us to kind of analyze, how's my soul doing? I think it would be really good for us uh, sort of to, to, to look at this question then of why might I not be feeling thirsty? Why might I not be feeling thirsty then if there's something going on that's causing me to not thirst? And you know whether, when you're thirsty for God, it's that, it's just like when you're thirsty for a bottle of water. You, you know when you're thirsty and you know what you need and you're going to go get it. You're going to go figure it out. And some of you have had seasons like that in your walk with God, right? You're like, man, I need him. Like, I'm hungry. Like, I got to get in my Bible. I got to get to church. I got to, those songs got to get in me. Like, you know the difference between when you're thirsty for God and when you're not. And this is not at all, by the way, when we ask these questions, this is a shame-free zone. This is me giving you the pastoral blessing. There's no shame in here. This isn't about, how come you're not thirsty for God, you loser? That is not going to be the tone of this thing. It's going to be like, if health is thirst for God, if that's what the scriptures teach, then, then what might I do? As I look inside, if I'm resonating, that I'm not as thirsty as I have been before or used to be or maybe think I need to be. If I'm not feeling thirst for God, like, maybe I should look and see what that's about. And we'll give you some practices to move forward. So it's about moving forward. You, ready? you got me you with me on that? You believe me that I'm not going to shame you? Okay, great. Well, let's look at, at and how we might, why we might not feel thirst for God. And, um, and I'm going to blaze through this. You're going to have to keep up. And if you can take notes, that'd be great. If you don't take notes, then, then maybe you're going to have to go back and listen to it. But I'm not, I can't wait for you if, uh, because we, I got so much I want to say. All right, four reasons why I can discern in scriptures, why I can sort of discern in scripture the best I can tell why we might not be feeling thirsty for God. So we're going to check and see if you relate to any of this. If you're like, oh, that's kind of me. I think I'm a little unhealthy in that way. And the first one there I think you already see is on the screen. One, God may have allowed us to be in a season of desolation. God may have allowed us to be in a season of desolation. This may be one of the things. One of the things you see in Scripture is that there are these times that we go through as believers where God has allowed it, at least allowed our perception of his distance. Now, God's never distant from us. He never goes away from us. He never leaves us as we're believers in Christ, possessed by his Holy Spirit. God is with us and he's for us. But there are seasons in our life. I don't need to tell you this. Everyone is aware of this reality on the spiritual journey, aren't you? There are seasons when your perception of is, where is God? Now, that in and of itself is not unhealth because it seems like God actually designs those things in our lives. So independent of the circumstances, they could be good circumstances, they could be bad circumstances, they could be quite dramatically bad, they can be uh, nominally bad. Now, regardless of the circumstances, there are these times where we go, I don't, I don't even, you can even say, I don't even know why I'm not doing... I'm just not hungry for God. I'm not thirsting for God right now. Anybody resonate with that? God is actually, that in and of itself is not unhealth because God has designed us to go through those moments of dryness. Anybody know? Anybody want to venture a guess? Why would God have designed us to go through those times of 
perceived distance and desolation. Yep, Gigi. Yep, when we let go of all those other things, we don't have that. We're lo- it creates an opportunity to see him. We'll talk a little bit more about this. It actually creates more of a thirst. If you go out on your bike ride and you forget to fill up your water bottle before you go, you're doubly thirsty at the end of that. And God will create for us, allow us these seasons of desolation in his grace so that he calls us back into it. Look at Psalm 63. This, is all, this idea is all through the scriptures. Psalm 63 says, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. And what does it say? In a dry and parched land where there is no water. In a dry and weary land, some of your translations say, ah, it's so weary, there's no water, so now I'm doubly, triply thirsting for you, God. This is actually a grace and a beauty, but our response to it can be incredibly unhealthy. Because if it's a grace, that if we are saying, gosh, I'm not thirsting for God right now, he just feels far away. If we go, well, then... Apparently, he's not real. He's not good. He doesn't see me. He's not invested himself in my life. I'm out of here. And that becomes the unhealthy response. So for some of us, we may be in a desolation and we're not thirsting for God right now, but I want to encourage you, that's a grace. And for us to say, Lord, okay, you're just increasing my thirst, so come on, Lord. You're the one that I want, as Gigi said. You're the only one that can satisfy me. Like, you come and meet me in this. The unhealthy response is that we, we brood in untruth and we spin out and go, apparently then God's not good and I'm out. And when we are being brought into a time of desolation just so that we might get closer to Jesus and long for him more, we actually turn our backs on him and bail out of the situation altogether and we become nominal believers. We become pragmatic agnostics. We're just like, well, I don't know. He's not there. I don't feel him. I don't see him. I'm not going to live for him. That's the unhealthy response. And for some of us, we may resonate with that, with that idea that we, we've sort of turned away from him. Does that resonate with you? Does that one resonate with you? That it's been a while. And instead of continuing to long for the Lord and to cry out to the Lord, you've just sort of said, well, all right, then I'm going to go find other things to be about. I don't see God showing up. If that's true, here's a quick prescription for you. I would prescribe, if that's an unhealth that you're resonating with a little bit, I would prescribe that you dig back into the word, that you get yourself a time to be in the word. Because if the unhealthy response is that we brood with untruth, we just, we, you know, we kind of, we're, we're, we're mulling over these things that aren't true, that God's not real, that God is not good, that God is not present, that God is not for me, that God doesn't care about me or my problems. If that's If that's the stuff that's going on in our head, then getting into the word of God will clarify for us what is true about him. And so we cling to God's promises even when we don't feel them. We're not children. We can cling to God's promises even though we don't see them, even though we don't feel them. And everybody who's ever gone through a desolation knows that when we stay faithful and we cling to God's promises, the dawn comes. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming, right? It's night but the day is on its way. So maybe you resonate with that one, that God may have allowed a season of desolation for you. And the idea is to continue to lean into the Lord. The only unhealthy thing is to walk away or to circle in our minds with untruth. 
So, uh, so dig into the word if that's uh, something that you're experiencing. So the second thing, why we might not feel thirsty for God. One, God may have allowed a death season of desolation. Two, we may be under uh, extreme fatigue or stress. We may be under f- extreme fatigue or stress. This is the deal where we may have experienced such emotional and physical and, and, and mental strain that we're actually not okay. We're not okay. We're not operating okay. Now, you may be thinking about your friends that have gone through something 10 times what you've ever gone through, but, but, but I, I really want to encourage you not to dismiss the amount of strain and fatigue and stress that you may be experiencing that is compromising your soul, church. We're going to talk after Easter, by the way, about fear and anxiety. It's going to be called No Fear. It's going to be our sermon series coming up in seven weeks from now. But we're going to talk about some of this, but every one of us is experiencing some trauma because of how extremely fatiguing our life is these days. But we may be in that, under that kind of uh, stress or that kind of fatigue in such a way that we're not processing well, we're not thinking well, we're not feeling well, we're not feeling, we even say, I'm not feeling myself. Like what's, you know, what's happening with me? And so what is a result? We don't respond well. We're not healthy. We're not ourselves. We're not living fully as we are in better times. And that time can affect our thirsting for God. It sort of goes away. We're not becoming the people who are longing after God with all our hearts. You know, the biblical example for this, for me, is Peter. Peter, who was the most zealous of the apostles, right? Who did all the crazy stuff, jumping out of the boat with Jesus and all those kinds of things, telling Jesus he was going to live for him forever. And remember, Jesus said, yeah, except you're going to deny me three times, remember? And so at the end of Jesus' life, I mean, Peter so pumped that Jesus was the meaning of it all, that he was the Messiah, that he was the hope that they had all been longing for, and then it all started to crash. His worldview just started crashing, Peter's did. Jesus was arrested. Jesus was, uh, you know, he's saying, I'm going to go, well, he was about to be arrested. He he said, I'm going to go to the cross. He was like, what are you talking about? You're going to go to Jerusalem and die. Like, why would we, what is happening to my whole worldview? And then to see Jesus taken and on trial, and he knew the end that was going to happen was Jesus was going to be crucified, and he ended up denying Christ. Remember that? Three times in the middle of it. He wasn't himself. He wasn't processing right. He wasn't living out the truth that he knew because the circumstances were so overwhelming and so stressful that he ended up being at his worst and not at his best. And that third time when he denied Jesus, he says he called down curses, which by the way, when I'm not at my best, you can tell because I'm swearing, by the way, just so you know. And because I know politely I shouldn't do that. I know as a pastor I shouldn't do that. But when I'm a little out of control, when I'm, just, when I'm not myself, that's always a little bit of a thing. So Anka, when I swear, just go, Jeff, really? You're not okay. <laughs> so he called down curses, and then the rooster crowed, and Jesus knew, I mean, and Peter knew, oh, what is the matter with me? I'm not okay. And then he said he went outside and he wept bitterly. We may be experiencing that kind of cumulative effect of the stress of our lives and anxiety and exhaustion and stress has overwhelmed us and we're not functioning normally. And so God feels far away. We're not longing for him. Does it resonate? Does anybody resonate with that? That might be your thing that you're feeling. You know what I would prescribe? If you're resonating with that, I would prescribe for you. I'd prescribe for you Sabbath. You've heard me talk about Sabbath, every opportunity. Again, I'm going to talk about Sabbath. I think it is something that everybody needs to incorporate into their lives, that if you're so stressed out and so exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally, that you're not operating well to the point that it's kind of deadened you and you're not loving well the people around you, but you're not thirsting for God, then you broke something. 
There's some neural pathways that, that, like, you know, like that got fried. Your synapses are broken. And rest in the presence of God where all things get centered and peaceful and quiet. You need that. And I invite you. I, I'm, I've, I've been taking a very, uh, I was going to say religious, uh, Sabbath now for about a year and a half um, where I start the night before and I take an entire um, 36 hours where I lean into the Lord and ask him, what do I need to do to receive life from you? It feels very selfish. It just feels like, wait, what? Are we really, does it bring life? So when my wife says, hey, why don't we paint the hallway? I go, no, that doesn't bring me life. (laughs) Actually, the opposite is true. We've been doing more house projects as I've been taking Sabbaths because I'm at rest and I'm not frantic about all the things that are out there. And I'm like, let's paint. As long as I get to pick the music, let's paint together today. (laughs) Sabbath is a time when we say, I'm going to stop fretting and working and scrambling and managing and um, maintaining. And I'm going to believe that God is doing it on my behalf. I'd say, wait, I don't really believe it. But the more I take these actions, I can't take a Sabbath. I got to preach the next day. I'm not going to be ready. Let the Lord be at work and you stop. Super healthy. Can I preach on that some more? Maybe you resonate with that idea of being under extreme fatigue or stress and, um, and it's bringing an unhealth that, that, that kills your thirst for God. Sabbath is something you could be considering. Third, the reason why we may not be feeling thirsty for God is that we may have stopped tasting, we've not kept tasting his goodness. We've not kept, this this tasting idea, this is the idea that our cravings come from having already experienced it and been satisfied by it. This is that idea that if you taste something and you go, well, that was good, I want more, and then you're going to want more of that. This is from a Psalm 34, is it 34, 34, 8? Do I have it right? 34, 8? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. But that first phrase, taste and see that the Lord is good. This is the idea. Like, get in there and taste it. Because if you taste it, you taste his goodness, you taste an experience of him, you encounter the Lord, you're going to be like, what? That is, that's exactly what I need. I want some more of that. And just like that other thing with the fatigue and the anxiety and the uh, that we back off or, or that, uh, you know, God's not been good. I'm just going to walk. When we walk away from God, he gets further. We, have, we haven't had a taste in a long time. We, then we haven't received the satisfaction of that for a long time. Then we less long for it. And so the other is true that it's this positive spiral of I taste God, I see God. Then it's going to remind me that I want more of God. This is a quote from Thomas Shepard. The sages throughout the generations have known this. He said, a person by thirsting receives. If we thirst, we're going to receive from God. And by receiving, we'll thirst for more. And so it's this cycle. I'm going to thirst for God, and so I'm going to receive him. And as I receive him, it's going to make me thirst more. I think this is probably what Jesus had in mind in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, where he said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are those, is the word blessed. Happy are those who, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they'll be satisfied. And we long for 
the things of God, for a taste of God, for an experience of God, it's going to bring us satisfaction and then it's going to, we're going to long for more. Kind of an irony, isn't it? That we'll be satisfied by him and then actually it'll feel like we're more thirsty, like we're less satisfied in a sense because we're just going to want more of God. That cycle, friends, that, is, that spiritual cycle takes discipline and maintenance and, and commitment and Sabbath and reflection and and reminders in the word and, and rehearsing those truths in worship so that we continue on this path of more of you, God, more of you, God, more of you. And when we interrupt that cycle, we lose our thirst for God. So maybe for some of us, it's this idea that we've not kept tasting his goodness. We haven't stayed on that. It's so fascinating to me that the most mature people who have experienced the most, listen, the people who have experienced the most of God are still the thirstiest people I know. Why is that? It's for this exact reason. That they've tasted him and saw that he's good and they're going to pursue him more. Tasting him, seeing him, that's doing the things that cause us to experience him and see him. Does that resonate with you? Does that one resonate with you? Man, I've... Stop doing the things I used to do that gave me the experience, whether that was serving Christ or my disciplines in the Lord or being consistent in worship or paying attention in worship or engaging with those worship songs or being in the word or, or, or meeting in a small group or whatever the things that in your past, often it's the things, that's why in the scriptures, I think it's Jeremiah who's, who says, listen, go back and do the things you did at first when you were young and in love with me and you would follow me anywhere, the Lord says through his prophet. Remember those things? What did you do at first? Let's go back and do those things instead of, we haven't kept those things in front of us. We haven't tasted, kept tasting his goodness. If that one resonates with you, that third one, we've not kept tasting his goodness, uh, here's my prescription for you I'm going to recommend. I think you should take the 201 course. The 201 course that we're starting on Wednesday night for six weeks is a training in how is it that we invest in our relationship with God. If you're like, I'm a Christian, I believe it, I don't really know if I'm doing all the right things, I don't know what I'm doing that would keep me in this place of seeing God, experiencing God, growing with God. If you're not sure how to do that, this literally is, think seminar. We will train you in six weeks. Here's what you need to know to walk with the Lord and to invest in that relationship. So if you resonate with this one, I want you to sign up for 201 and come starting on Wednesday night. And the fourth one, you see it, it's already there. We may be trying, the fourth reason we may not feel thirsty for God is we may be trying to satisfy our thirst with other things. I left this one to the end so I didn't camp on it too long and you didn't feel guilty and feel like I was preaching at you. But this is a scriptural reality that every human being hungers and thirsts for God. We think everybody's spiritually hungry. That's why our mission statement is to engage with the spiritually hungry. That means everybody. That's every one of us. Let's engage with one another who are spiritually hungry on this journey toward Christ. Everybody's spiritually hungry. The unhealth is when we take that spiritual hunger and we fill it with empty calories. I was going to bring a full Coke up here with sugar and chemicals and everything and chug that. So our bellies are full. So it masks our hunger. But we got nothing of substance. Conducting a spiritual inventory is to say, what, with my spiritual longing, what am I doing with my longing? I was created to long for God and the things of God. What am I filling it with? Jesus said, 
to that woman at the well. Remember this in John 14, I mean, uh, John 4, verse 13 and 14. He said, and anyone who drinks this water, I give him is never going to be thirsty. Anybody who drinks this water he was talking to her about will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. They're never going to thirst again. What I give actually satisfies. So we need to look at our lives, you guys, and ask the question. Do you resonate with this? That there's this aching hunger where we have a, a full belly, but it's full of all the other things that are not from God. And so we're trying to mask our pain. We're trying to mask our emptiness. We're trying to mask our, our disillusionment. We're trying to mask all those things that we're feeling, which is really we're needing Jesus for those things, but we're masking it with stuff that's never going to fulfill it. And I can start naming those things, but I bet you could name yours. This is what I go to when I'm unhappy. This is what I go to when I'm empty. This is what I go to when I'm thinking there's probably more in life. What are those things that we're tempted to? They mask our spiritual hunger. They get in the way. Because we self-medicate or we distract ourselves. And then we never see Christ. So maybe we're not hungry and thirsty for God because we've been trying to satisfy our thirst with other things. Here's the prescription for that. Turn back to Jesus because he's the answer. You know, the moment in your journey when you turn around and say, what have I been doing? Jesus, you are the one who meets my needs. You're the one that fills my soul. When we turn around from what we've been doing and say, Jesus, you're the one, that's called repentance. That's that spiritual word in the Bible. Repentance means to turn around and say, what direction am I going? You're the answer. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 7. This last verse here I want you to see. He said in the last, this feast when Jesus stood up on a, 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 a place of teaching in the temple and he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, I'm the answer. If you're longing for life, I bring life. If you need truth, I am the truth. If you're wondering how to live, what way to go, I'm the way. No one does this without me. So I'm it. Come to me. And when we repent of the things, the empty calories that we've been filling ourselves with, we find ourselves hungry again for Jesus. Maybe that's the one you resonate with. All of those, you guys. Those are the kinds of things that we do in a spiritual inventory. We say, so how's my soul? And maybe there's some reasons why, unhealthful reasons why I'm not um, thirsting for God. And you may resonate with some of those, one or more of those, and I've presented you with some sort of prescriptions around each one. If you've been in a season of desolation, it's get into the word so your, your thinking doesn't get messed up. If you've been under ex- extreme fatigue or stress, then you need, a sa- you need to practice Sabbath. If you've not kept tasting his goodness, then you need to do the things that bring experiences of him. And you need to be trained in that if you want. 201 was my prescription. And we may be trying to satisfy other things, our thirst with other things. My prescription there is to repent and turn back to Jesus and claim his promise that he's all that you need. But let me now suggest a Lenten practice for all of us. This is one that I think incorporates all of these. If if the longing is to thirst more for God, then this is the practice that the church has done forever. And in my last two, three minutes here, this is what I want to do. I want to challenge you that maybe you join me this week in a fast. That Lenten practice of fasting, actually, 
in our last three or four years, right, we've all practiced different kinds of fasts for the entire time. And maybe because we didn't have Ash Wednesday, you thought you were off the hook. Let's fast together. And maybe at least let's fast together just this week as a practice for this idea, this sermon for thirsting for him. Because if you, this, is the, this is what we called fasting in our, um, this is what we, um, uh, how we defined fasting in our last Lenten series, the last couple of years. We said it's choosing to engage in personal sacrifice. Okay, I'm letting go of something. I'm sacrificing something. I'm fasting from something. It's as a means of experience dependence on what? On God alone. It's a means of saying, wait, why am I turning to these other things that may be masking my thirst for God? You see how it fits in our, our title, in our, in our topic for this morning? Maybe there's something in my life that I need to let go of so that, so that it'll help me remember, no, 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 wait a minute, God is it. He's the one that satisfies. He's all that my soul needs. So it's, it's choosing to engage in personal sacrifice as a means of experiencing dependence on God alone as our true sustenance. He's what brings life and he's what brings hope. And so we let something go. And maybe we let something go that just generally we let anything go. We just decide, you know what, I'm going to fast from the bus and I'm going to walk to work even though it's three miles each way. So that as you're in that place of longing, you're like, wow, this is kind of hard. I got to get up earlier and I got to put on the right clothes and I got to leave on time and I'm going to walk to school or to wherever. Like during that time, you're like, why am I doing this? I could be in the car. You're like, oh, because it's reminding me that God is my only hope. So I'm experiencing a lack and you're like, whatever that lack is, you're like, maybe you give up TV for the week and you're like, gosh, it's just TV. Like, it has nothing to do with my spiritual deal. Like, I just want to watch TV for this week and just be like, well, what if I'm longing for TV? Then maybe we just say to ourselves, oh, well, actually, just re- this is just a symbol to remind me that I want to long for God. You see, it's a practice. So maybe it's just anything you want to give up. Or maybe you give up the thing that you think might be the distraction. So maybe that's TV, or maybe that's food, or maybe that's alcohol. Maybe it's serially dating on that website. What is the thing that you think, gosh, when I'm not doing well, I go to this as opposed to going to the Lord? And maybe you give up that thing. I'm fasting during Lent, I'll do it this week, with you, I'm going to do it for the entire Lent, as a matter of fact, for the next 46 days. I started last Wednesday or Thursday morning, and that is that I'm giving up every single thing except being in the Word in the morning. So I'm not going to do one other thing until I've met with the Lord in the morning. And so I'm going to give up TV news. I'm going to give up working. I'm going to give up reading my email. I'm going to give up reading a book. I'm going to give up exercise. I'm going to give up, like, so whatever, the first thing I'm going to do is meet with the Lord every day for the 46 days. So if you make a 6.30 appointment with me, that wrecks my life because I got to spend time with the Lord before that. What might you let go of as a spiritual, sorry, as a spiritual practice that would help draw you that Jesus is what you long for. He's the thirst of our souls. And this is going to be rich together. Let's stand. Let me give you this blessing.